chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. morning, White Oak Christian Church. How are we this morning? Very good, very good, very good. My name is Richie Jackson. I'm a member of the uh, teaching team here at White Oak, and we are excited to bring our new series to you this morning. It starts off, we are telling stories from the storyteller. Uh, If you've been with us since the beginning of the year, we started off the year with a a series called One Another, where we really dug in on the teachings of Jesus, and and we wanted people to understand that when the words one another come together in the Bible, it is an invitation to participate. It's a call to action. And yet, as we build on that, and that's going to be the theme throughout 2023, is how we one another well as a community. But as we build into 2023, we want to give some stories that Jesus told that helped us to practically apply how to one another in our day-to-day lives. So that's what this series is going to be all about. We're going to be unpacking some of these parables. Listen, one anothering is not easy. It's not simple. It's not even natural. But we need something, someone to help us guide. And that's what these parables are going to do for us, all right? Now listen, Jesus, Jesus was an excellent communicator. He was brilliant at what he did. He did and told stories in ways that we really can't even fathom. They're so powerful. They're just so powerful. Um, He understood the power of a parable. He understood how a story always connects. He he understood the bonds that were created when people related with the story. And we know this. We all know this because you're watching Netflix and Amazon Prize. You, You love your shows. You love your movies. We love to get together as a group of people. We love to hear. We learn from stories. We gain something from stories. We take and and go into the rest of our lives when we have something from stories that we're all connecting with. Stories are powerful. So whether these parables, whether it's the first time you've ever heard it or maybe the hundredth time you've heard the parable told, all right, we believe that there are nuggets of gold in the words of Jesus as he shares these stories. You and I, we have stories too. We have pasts. We all have our pasts. And we've got Futures that we're walking into, maybe you're like me, maybe you've got a group of friends that, uh, you know, maybe once or twice a year you get together with, and you tell the same old stories that you've told a thousand times, and you laugh at the exact same things that you laugh at the time we were together before, and you just do that over and over and over again. And then there's, the, there's some experience that we have, and we get to glean from somebody else's experience because they've shared their stories. Stories create bonds, doesn't matter if you've known somebody for 30 years or 10 seconds. You can learn something as they're telling their stories. The greatest storytellers always have us thinking long after they're done talking. Jesus was a great storyteller. Your life, my life, our lives are a culmination of all of our stories. Most of them are ours, but we borrow from other people. We borrow and we glean experiences and we get things from other people's stories too. We're all similar. We've got highs and we've got lows in our stories. We've got smooth sailing. We run across a few potholes along the way. We've got friends that are hurting. And we've hurt some friends. We've got family members that are lost. We've got children that are searching We've got funny stories, and they make us laugh. We've got scary stories, and we scream, right? We've got love stories that bring tears. We're coming, and we're going. We're living, and we're learning. We're loving, and we're fighting, and we're, we're adding sentences and stories to our lives. And that 
is a powerful thing. When we realize that our story, and part of my story, I'm just going to share with you right now, is part of my story is recognizing that I'm a part of a much bigger story that's being told. It's kind of hard to go back when you realize that your story is not just your story. It's part of a bigger story. It's part of his story. It's part of God's story. And you're in it. You and I, we are in his story. His story starts with Scripture. And the Bible is God's love letter to the people he loves, his children, to you and to me. That's what it is. All of human history, all of human history is actually his story. Everything you know, everything you've learned in history class is all part of his story. And his story isn't over. It's still being told. It's being written. It's a beautiful love story being written by a father to children that he loves. And you're in it. You're in it. Now, I can't remember the first time I, I read this, but I've read this a number of times, and every time it hits me, it always just makes me, it just reminds me of how powerful, you know, an experience with God is. Listen to this. This is a, uh, a poem. You've probably heard it before. Some of you have. called Footprints in the Sand. I'd like to read it for you. One night I had a dream as I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me, one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed many times along my path, the path of my life, especially during the lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. But I noticed that the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was but one set of footprints. I don't understand why. Why? When I needed you most, why would you leave me? He whispered, my precious child, I love you and I will never leave you. Never, ever during your trials and testings, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. We've got chapters in our lives that aren't all sunshines and lollipops, right? But I'm going to tell you what, when there's two sets of footprints in the sand, life is good. Life is good. Walking down the beach with Jesus, knowing and communicating with him, Feeling like there is just a relationship that's unlike anything else. Man, those are good times and we cherish them. And unfortunately, unfortunately, some of the good times when we've got two sets of prints, we don't even know Jesus is there because it's too good. We're not relying on him. We, we just ignore him, but there's still two prints. Two sets go off. Let me tell you something. The loneliness of that single set of footprints, that, that lonely time, the guilt and the regret that we feel for the pain that we brought into the lives of people around us. The hurt that the family caused you, the heartache that you know occurred when you said that thing, <laughs> the losses that occur during the lonely times, the saddest and most lonely times of our lives. These are the moments where we wish we could just hit fast forward and just go right through that period and get that season of life over with. I just want to get past it. There's good news because the good news is that the, a good and faithful father says, you know what, I love you, and I will never leave you. I will never leave you. 
You see, I love you so much that when you feel like you can't walk, when you feel like you can't stand, I will pick you up and I will carry you because you, you are my son, you are my daughter, and you know what? You've got more value than you see in yourself right now. And what I need you to understand is that we carry what we value. And Jesus says that for us. And that is good news. That is good news that we carry what we value. Jesus carries what he values. And did you know that you're worthy of being carried by a king? Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. It's cold out this morning. I had to put a jacket on. You know why? Because I value not freezing. Okay? Show of hands here because this is audience participation. Who brought a purse or a wallet here? Thank you. Why? Because you value the exchange of goods and services. All right? Show of hands. You probably showed up in a car. Somebody's got keys. Show of hands. Who showed up in a car that had keys? Because you value mobility. Okay? Now, listen, this one is so self-evident, but we're going to do it anyway. Cell phones. I know, if a cell phone gets more than, like, six feet from us, we start panicking. Where's my cell phone? Where's my cell phone? Okay? Right? Why? Because we value connectivity. We value connectivity. But there's something we value more than all of those things. And you know what it is? You value you. I said the quiet part out loud. It's okay. You're allowed to value yourself. Nobody loves me quite like me. You serious? And God knows this too. It is repeated throughout Scripture. Throughout Scripture. I'm going to give you an Old Testament. I'm going to give you red letters from Jesus and Matthew. And then we're going to see with a letter from Paul. And just, just pay attention. You're going to see something that just re- reoccurs. Leviticus chapter 18. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against your sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, chapter 22 of Matthew. He's going to quote Deuteronomy and Leviticus. We just read that same passage. Listen to what he says. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The apostle Paul writes a letter to the Romans. In chapter 13, he says this. Whatever other command there may be, they're summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. God knows you love you. It is baked into loving somebody else is the assumption of self-love. And that's good news. I'm letting you all know this. You are completely normal if you love you some you. But the tough love is that that's also how we are supposed to value other people. That's how we're supposed to value other people. And it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense. If you want it, Somebody else might want it. If that's how you like to be treated, somebody else might like to be treated in that same way. So the question then becomes, if we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, and we got to ask ourselves, well, well I'm, am I willing to carry something for my neighbor because I would want my neighbor to carry it for me because I don't want to carry it myself? Are, am I willing to go to that length? Am I willing to go there? Love your neighbor as yourself. It begs the question, who is my neighbor? Now, we just... Listened, and we watched the story of the good parable, or the parable of the good Samaritan, right? I want to dig in a little bit more. Luke chapter 10. Listen, if you don't have a Bible, words are going to be on the screen, but if you don't have a Bible, right out here on the hub, smiling faces, they would love to give you a Bible. Go grab one after service. Verse 25, we're going to pick it up there. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. 
teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replies, what's written in the law and how do you read it? He answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 18. You've answered correctly, Jesus says. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor then? Who's your neighbor? If I'm going to love somebody as much as I love me, I need to do some vetting. I need to understand some of their decision-making. I would like to know a little bit about their past. I'd like to know a little bit about whether, can, I'm, and then I start, can I just be my own neighbor? I would really just like to be my own neighbor. And as I'm reading this, I know at least one or two of you are out there going, you know what, a private drive doesn't sound so bad anymore. You know, pri- you know what, we, we, Black Road and Ross Trails, too many people private drive is the wave of the future because, you know, they don't have neighbors. You don't get off that easy this morning. You are not getting off that easy this morning. You see, your neighbor is the person in front of you, the person beside you, the person behind you, the one who ran the red light in front of you that you almost hit this morning. All neighbors. Jesus says that your neighbor might be that dude that you've never seen before from a far-off land. It may be that grumpy guy that has never been neighboring to anybody in his entire life. You see, the biblical neighbor is black, white, brown, Catholic, Methodist, Jewish, Muslim, all neighbors. Some of them wear shirts that say, don't tread on me. Some of them have bumper stickers that say, coexist. Biblical neighbors are not always going to be comfortable relationships. They are not baggage free. Jesus never said being a Christian would be comfortable. In fact, he said the opposite. But what then will we do? How will we neighbor? That becomes the question. Listen to how Jesus answers that in verse 30. He says, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, saw him, took pity on him, went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, two coins, gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses there may be. Then he asked the question back to the expert of the law. He says, which of these do you think is the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law says, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. The question is, who then is my neighbor? Coming from the expert in the law. Now, we need to understand that this was a Jewish group of people. This was a people with a common experience. Jesus is being asked by an expert in the law, okay, probably a well-known Jewish individual. He's got his disciples that are there watching, okay, paying attention, and probably a crowd of other people, all from this common experience. And we find in the story a man who is beaten, bruised, penniless, and naked, That's a bad day. Can I just tell you, if today is the day that you get beat up, bad day. If today is the day where you get robbed, bad day. If today is the day 
that they steal your clothes and leave you in a public place, bad day. If all of those things happen to you on one day, I have words for what kind of day that is, but I can't say them to you now. That's what kind of day this man is having. He's presumably from this group with this common experience, and he's dying on the side of the road, unable to help himself. Along comes a Jewish man, a priest. Now, a Jewish priest, this is an important point, because Jewish priests should know exactly what was written in Deuteronomy, exactly what was written in in Leviticus. He knew that he should love that person as he loves himself. Jewish priests were in charge of the temple and all aspects of what was going on there. And he goes to the other side of the road when he sees the victim. Sometime later, a, a Levite, we're told a Levite, which just means that this is a Israelite, a Jewish person from the tribe of Levi. Same thing. Other side of the road. Two men from the same common experience, they see this person and they do nothing but avoid it. Maybe they were in a hurry. You got, are you guys in a hurry? I feel like I'm in a hurry a lot. Sometimes I feel like I'm in a hurry to do a whole lot of nothing, too. But, but you know what? We're all hustling and bustling, and we're trying to get to the next thing in life, and we just see that problem over there. No, no, no. Somebody else will get that. i got to keep on going. I gotta keep, are you too busy to see it? Maybe they were scared. Maybe they were scared. If I go over there, maybe it's a, maybe it's a trap. What, what if he baits me in? What if they're coming to get me? What if I'm next? And they're just too scared to act. Maybe they're just jerks. Maybe they're what we think they are, which is that they're just self-absorbed and, and, and they, just, they just don't care. Whatever it is, understand this. It wasn't neighborly, and they failed the one another test. They failed the one another test. Along comes a third man, a Samaritan. And this is an important point. This is an important point that Jesus is making. This is a Samaritan. Jews hated Samaritans. They betrayed Jewish people. They were considered half-breed, low-lifes. They were a constant point of tension between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. This was not a good relationship. So think about Jesus making him the good guy in the story. It came to a shock. It, it came to a shock to everybody listening that the, the two Jewish people that would have been well-known by just the title that Jesus gave them, they were the careless ones. They were the ones without compassion. And then like a Quentin Tarantino movie, here comes a curveball. The Samaritan is the hero of the story? This can't be happening. Nobody saw it coming. You know why I know nobody saw it coming? Because Jesus' friends, his closest friends, the people he called his disciples, one chapter earlier in Luke, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus was going to preach and teach to the towns and communities ahead of him. And he was sending out his disciples. He said, go, let them know that I'm going to be coming. I want to talk to them about the kingdom of God. It's going to be a great town. Well, guess what? John and James went into a Samaritan village. And they were like, we don't want Jesus. We don't have any interest in him. Get out of here. So John and James, they come back to Jesus, and they're like, that Samaritan village doesn't want to talk to you. And then they do this weird thing. They say, Jesus, can we pray to heaven to rain down fire on them and destroy the city? Jesus is like, no. No, let's just go to the next town. I don't think you guys are picking up what I'm putting down here. I'm trying to tell you a little something. And, and so I just I tell you that because I, I think sometimes, I think sometimes the people who are closest to Jesus 
we miss it. We miss it. And if I didn't know better, I might think that just, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, that the Good Samaritan's parable wasn't just for the expert of the law, but was for his disciples. You know, we live in a time right now where you hear some, every now and again, maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't. If you haven't, then just go with me here. Maybe you've heard something like, you know what, this world would just be a heck of a lot better if we just got more people following Jesus. You know what, our country would be in a better place it would be in a much better place if we just understood the values of the Bible and we lived by them. If we could just tell people how important it is to live out the teachings of Jesus Christ, this place would be a better place. And you know what? And then we walk on the other side of the road. And then you and me, we walk on the other side of the road. What if we didn't walk on the other side of the road? What would life look like? What would culture look like? What would your community, your school, your place of work, what would it look like if you stepped in and you said, you know what, not walking on the other side of the road today. Not going to do that. Now stay with me here as I ponder. Uh, if you've ever been in a small group with me, you, 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 you know that I, I have a hard time just letting these things just sit there and just be exactly what they are. I, I always, I start to think, because parables are short. They are, they're, they're very effective at giving us truths that we can appreciate and apply to our lives. But just play, play this little game with me, I call, maybe, just maybe. Okay? What happened in the moments and the months and the years that led up to the characters in this story that Jesus was told? What, what was happening in their lives? Because I have read this parable a number of times. I've listened to people preach on it a number of times. I've never heard anybody ask this one question. Why did, why did the Samaritan do it? Why did the Samaritan do it? Why did the Samaritan decide to carry the weight of someone else's burdens? Scripture doesn't give us a clear answer on this. We just see that one person did it right and two people did it wrong. And we're supposed to see one as an example by which we are to live. But, 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 but just stay with me here, okay? Maybe just maybe. Maybe just maybe. Maybe just maybe that Samaritan had once been robbed. Maybe he had been stripped and he had been embarrassed. Maybe he'd been beaten up, left on the side of the road. He cried out for help. He saw people passing by, could not understand how they could just walk past him. Along came a man from Galilee. This man saw the value of his humanity, and he took off his own clothes, and he covered him, and he carried him, and he took him to a place of safety. He literally carried the burdens of this Samaritan. And he carried him to prove it. Maybe just maybe. Maybe just maybe the Samaritan, after coming back to his health, had this interaction with this man from Galilee who has a name called Jesus. He says, Jesus Why'd you carry me? And maybe the answer is just simple. It's just because I value you, of course. Why wouldn't I carry you? Because I, because I value you. And maybe, 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 maybe the Samaritan just kind of had this like moment of self-reflection and realized I never would have carried him. He carried me. 
And he thought to myself, if somebody else is ever in that situation, if somebody else is ever in that same situation, there's no way in the world I'm going to walk by. I will not be the one to walk by. And so in this moment of appreciation for what this man had done for him, the Samaritan, it's now, Jesus, how can I ever repay you? And Jesus just simply says to the Samaritan, would you go and just do likewise? Would you go and do likewise? We carry what we value. We carry what we value. So what do we do with this parable? How do we carry what we value? You see, God reaches into the stories of the lives of the people around us when we realize that our stories are extensions of his story. And his story is still being told. His story is still something that is worth learning from and repeating. I said earlier, and I'm going to say it again, the best stories are the ones that we're still talking about long after the speaker's done speaking. It's 2,000 years later, people. We're still unpacking the story of the good parable, or the, the story of the good Samaritan. Jesus was good at this. He has us thinking and talking. We've all got footprints in the sands of our lives. These are the stories of our lives. Highs and lows, we're balancing and making our way through this life, our footprints, our chapters being contributed into his story. You get that? How will your chapter read? How will your chapter read? How did, how did your story start? What was it like? Before you knew King Jesus, how, where, what was it like when you met Jesus? And what's your life look like since? You see, Jesus is the great storyteller, but if our lives are extensions of his story, then your story is valuable to somebody else. And we want to help encourage you to become your own storyteller of your Little love letter from God. We've got some handouts in the back, okay? It can be that simple. There's who I was, when I met Jesus, who I am today. Believe it or not, your story can just be that simple. So if you think you can't tell your story, you can. You can. And I promise you this. I promise you this. Somebody needs to hear and learn from your story. You see, without Jesus entering my story, I'd be somewhere on the side of the road, broken, embarrassed, embarrassed. But Jesus stepped in and he carried me when I needed him most. And he did it because Jesus actually carries what he values. Jesus carries what he values. And now we are walking on the beach. Me and Jesus. Two sets of footprints. And in the rearview mirror, I see, some, I see it. I see there's times where I've... I've got one set back here. I can see it. But I no longer question who was doing the walking. I don't question whose prints those are anymore because I know he carried me when I needed him most. And I know he carries what he values. Because he said, Richie, I got this. You know what? He values you too. He's ready to carry you too. 
Some of you know he's been carrying you for a long time. Others of you are trying to figure out, why won't you carry me now? I need you to carry me now. Will you please carry me now? Did you know that the king of the universe will say yes? The king of the universe will say, yes, I will carry you because you are valuable. Listen, I know there's some people here today that are in the middle of stuff. Stuff. You got stuff going on in your life. And you're wondering, where are you, Jesus? Where is this Jesus that these Christians talk about? And you got more questions than you've got answers right now. I know. I know. And it's okay. It's okay. Because my God is big enough for all your tough questions. And my God says, you know what? That tough question will get an answer. Walk with me. And when you can, I'll carry you. The king of the universe wants to carry us during these times. But will we rely on him? Listen, I'm just telling you right now, when I, when I think about that, I just think about the song Amazing Grace. And there's a line in it that says, oh, how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed? If that is you today, if you are in one of those seasons of your life and you're just waiting to recognize when Jesus is going to show up, I'm, I'm actually excited for you. I'm excited for you because when you come to realize that that set of footprints that you see in the rearview mirror of your life are Jesus's and not yours, everything in your life changes forever. You cannot go back from that. You see, the real value, the real beauty, the real beauty, of Jesus' parables is it puts us in his story. Now, I got to land this plane, all right? And we got to marry. We got to figure out some way to marry and merge this parable and poem that I brought to you this morning. So we're going to do that right now. I apologize. My mouth is really dry. That's why I got to drink a bunch of water up here. The footprints in the sand are there for all of us. And the story is there for all of us. And when we put these two things together, we just see how awesome our God is. Jesus has this mic drop moment where he shows the lengths to which he's willing to go to carry what he values. He saw the brokenness of our lives. He stepped in and he refused to let us go through it alone. He said, I walk with you. I talk with you. I'm there for you. I will carry you whenever you need me to. And you see, Jesus is carrying me to a place I can't get to on my own. In every footprints in the story, every one of them, yours, mine, there comes a place in that story. Now, just like I, you allowed me to play maybe just maybe with, uh, with the Good Samaritan a little bit ago, I'm going to play maybe just maybe with my little poem here too, footprints in the sand. There's a moment in that, there's a moment in your story and mine where you're just walking along with Jesus, and then Jesus goes and takes a hard right, 90 degrees, walks away. Up and over the dunes of the beach, off he goes. And I'm just standing there by myself. I'm just standing there right there by myself. I'm all by myself. And I'm like, where is Jesus? I thought we were having a good time. That was something I said. I don't know. He just left. And then all of a sudden, I see Jesus walking back. Three days later, three days later, he comes walking back. Meets me right there. Boom, right where we just left off. I'm like, I don't know where you went, but like, I thought we had a good thing going. He's like, hey, let's keep on walking, right? Now, again, that's not in the poem, but I'm going to tell you something, right? It's very important. This is the moment where Jesus says, I'm going to take your sins from you, Richie, and I'm going to walk them. I'm going to walk them outside of your sight. I'm going to take them far from you. I'm going to take them away from where you're at now. In fact, I'm going to take them. I'm going to bury them. I'm going to bury 
those sins. And when he meets me right back there, I come to recognize something very important, that my sins led him to his death. My regret shows me the power and majesty of his grace. And my hope comes when he comes and meets me back there on the beach. And off we go. And in that moment, in that moment, I want you to understand, I find myself smack dab in the middle of this parable of the Good Samaritan. Except this time, I'm the one on the side of the road, broken, broken, bruised, battered, feeling alone and left behind. And Jesus is the one picking me up. Jesus is my Good Samaritan. Jesus is giving me relief. He's giving me clothes. He's giving me peace. He cleans me up. He takes my sin far away. He makes me white as snow, and he carries me to his father. He carries me to his father. And in that moment, I come to the recognition that the king of the world, the king of the universe, the king and savior of my life has been carrying me. And he leans in, and he just whispers, I love you, Richie. In full of appreciation, I go, why did you carry me, Jesus? Why did you carry me? He says, because I value you, son. Two sets of footprints, off we go. We start walking again, and now I'm full of excitement again. I'm just like, this is so great. And I'm like, hey, Jesus, remember when you were telling that story about the good Samaritan? Yeah, I remember telling you that. I have a question for you. Why did the Samaritan, why did he do it? And he says, listen, I I didn't tell this part in the story, but like there was about two years before that, I carried the Samaritan for four miles to an inn. Oh, that's crazy. And then I think to myself, you know what? The truth of it is, is when I was beaten, battered, and broken on the side of the road, it was because I kind of got myself there. And so I asked this curious question because I kind of want to have somebody there with me. I was like, did, did, did the Samaritan deserve it as much as I did? And he says, you know what? It doesn't matter how you guys got to the side of the road. What matters is that I value you both. Oh, that makes sense, Jesus. That makes, that makes perfect sense. And then I asked this question. I said, and I'm, 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 I'm humbled and I'm scared to think about what he's going to say when I... How many times have I been the priest of the Levite? And he laughs at me. He just laughs. He giggles and he laughs and he says, way too many to count. Let's not talk about that. He said, but you know what? You guys both needed to be carried and I'm going to carry more. And I'm full of appreciation. I'm humbled in my story. And I said, what do I do now, Jesus? He just says, will you you follow me? And I said, yeah, I'll follow you anywhere. You show me where to go, I'm going to follow you. And then he says, he says, who was the... Who was the neighbor to the person on the side of the road? I said, the one who loved that person as much as they loved himself. And then in this moment, Jesus grabs me. He grabs me by my shoulders, and he pulls me in for a deep embrace. And right here, he's now holding me, squeezing me tight, and he says, Richie, I love you. All you have to do is go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Pray with me. Father God, you have you've blessed us in so many ways. You have shown us the beauty of your story. We thank you for being the grand storyteller. We thank you for being the capital S storyteller. We thank you for breaking into our lives, carrying us when we couldn't walk, and we owe you something, God. I pray that there would be conviction in our hearts, encouragement for our lives, that we would leave here today prepared to go and do something with your name on it, with your approval, that you have sanctioned us to serve and you have commissioned us to move in love like we want to be loved. Jesus, 
in your name we pray. Amen.